1: Welcome to the Rap Report. I'm your host Andrew Rappaport, and on today's episode, I was recently on Grace of the Shadows podcast, and they interviewed me, and that is what we're going to play today. Now, I ran into, uh, well, he wasn't Dr. J at the time, but uh, Jonathan Bueller. We we ran into each other when we were both happened to be on vacation. We we're Facebook friends. Did not know we were staying in the same hotel. That's right. Uh, He was walking off the elevator as I was walking on, and he just pointed his finger, looked at me, and was like, Andrew Rappaport. (laughs) And so he recognized me, and we uh, got to have our families spend a little bit of time together, really enjoyable. Years later, I was able to help him work on his, his doctorate in some of the research he was doing, and now he started a podcast, and they asked if I would come on for an interview. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. Of the Rap Report. One, two, three. Welcome to the Rap Report with your host, Andrew Rapaport, where we provide biblical interpretation and application. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org.
0: to Grace in the Shadows with Dr. Marla Beeler and Dr. J, Dr. Jonathan Beeler. And we also have a special guest today, and I'm going to let you take over and introduce him.
2: Andrew Rappaport is the executive uh, president of Striving for Eternity, and we welcome him, a good friend and uh, also a fellow podcaster. Uh, Andrew, tell us a little bit more about your background and and, uh, what you do and a little bit about who you are.
1: Sure. Um, my name is Andrew Rapport. I, uh, as you said, I'm I'm with uh, Striving Fraternity Ministries, and you know we, uh, you and I met uh, while on vacation, right? We did. We it's did. In would uh, be in the same hotel, and I posted yeah. that I'm I'm in a in a hotel, and you 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 were looking for me and found me. <laughs> it
2: is weird. We were at uh, a timeshare, right? Yes. In uh, Williams, Williamsburg? Williamsburg, Virginia. Williamsburg. Yeah. And uh, I was actually doing some uh, studies uh, through your teaching on uh, world religions and, the, and cults. And uh, you happened to be there. And it was like, Andrew, and you said, that's me. <laughs> and we we had a good time there and talked a lot of theology and apologetics, I think. It was a couple hours one night.
1: Yes. Yeah. we One night when our families went to sleep, we hung out in their little kitchen area. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, we did some sightseeing together. You got to meet nice. our kids.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had a lot of fun with that.
2: So, uh, Andrew, your your background you're you were Jewish, brought up in a Jewish home, a Jewish background. And how did you how did the Lord save you? How did you come to know the Lord?
1: Well, <clears throat> yeah, I, I grew up in a Jewish home. Uh, bar Mitzvah, you know, wasn't uh, my my father had gone. If you understand Judaism, has gone you know, from Orthodox Judaism to re- conservative Judaism, conservative Judaism is actually uh-huh. liberal to reform Judaism reformed in Christianity. Isn't necessarily bad in many places that people think it's good, but in Judaism, mm-hmm. it's really bad. That's the most liberal. Uh, and now he's a practicing atheist, but to hear so that. we basically, uh, were bar mitzvahed and all. I was 16 years old and my, uh, my mother died when I was young. And so what happened was, is I basically was a terror. I mean, I just was a problem for my dad. <laughs> um, they, what a lot of Jewish people do is they send their kids away for summer camp for the summer. So they uh-huh. can, so parents can have their time. And I got, ba- I think I basically I got kicked out of every summer camp that my dad sent me to uh, after my mother died. You were a terror.
2: Yeah. (laughs) You are a stinker.
1: (laughs) Problem child. (laughs) Yeah. So what ended up happening was I went on this, what's called a teen tour. It's where I I put it this way. It's where Jewish parents try to get rid of their kids. that can't go to camp. No, we basically (laughs) toured around the U S on a bus. The bus driver was a Christian. His name was Chuck. And he was just, he saw this with all these Jewish kids just to evangelize. And that was his mission. And he was just evangelizing all of us. And Mm -hmm. I, I remember we we went to a, chinatown uh in i think it was san francisco
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what ended up happening was he started sharing the gospel over fortune cookie and I, i'm the t- i'm like yeah okay chuck whatever and we're we're talking he he ended up saying he knew my mother died mm-hmm. and i said to him i said chuck i i don't need any of this i said i'm god's chosen people i'm in like flynn i thought that my jew i mean i was raised to believe that my judaism was getting me into heaven
2: right right tradition
1: yes and so Mm -hmm. i didn't think anything of my problem wasn't that i I needed to hear how to get saved Mm -hmm. my problem was i didn't know i was lost right and that's what i tell people it's it's easy to get people saved it's hard to get them lost
2: yeah. I mean, cause when you're, when you're lost, when you're dead in sin, you don't realize you're dead in sin. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's why you're dead and just, that's why you're dead and you don't it's, know it.
1: It's like trying to tell a fish they're wet.
2: Precisely.
1: You know, yeah. So, so he's going through and explaining things and, and I walked away and he just turns and says, and this is something that I teach in my evangelism training. When I come into churches and we do our mm-hmm. seminar is People are afraid I might say the wrong thing. Well, Chuck said a stupid thing. What did, he say? what did he say? You have to understand that they were warned that at that stage of my life, if you mm-hmm. made a mother joke or you said something about my mother, mm-hmm. I could turn violent. Oh, I, mean, my. I turned so violent, I don't even remember any of it. I would black out mm. and they, people would tell me what I've done. I remember one summer camp, I, I picked up the strongest kid in the, in the bunk, threw him in a garbage can and rolled him down a hill. And I'm like, I could never do that. I'm like this little pipsqueak. But five <laughs> of them were eyewitnesses to it. Wow. And so people didn't know what to do. So with me at that, and he turns as I'm walking away, he goes, what if your mother died? So you'd be right here, right now to listening to this message and you walk away, your mother would have died in vain. Mm. Now, first of I'll think that through and be like, that's stupid. <laughs> like it's yeah. not theologically accurate right um but beyond that like you know someone is really touchy on the issue of their mother's death and you're gonna you're gonna say something like that but it got me to turn around and i said you give me one logical reason to believe and i'll believe i said I had a lot of anger emotional really. stuff and so he yeah i who never finished the sixth grade and and this is where i you know kind of joke that god has a sense of humor yeah at that point Time in my life, I was very proud of my intellect. Okay. I have 168 IQ, um, which is eight points above genius. So I'm clearly a genius, but technically I am. Uh, You're smarter than I am. <laughs> so I was proud of that. Here's a guy that hasn't even finished the sixth grade. I had, i at that point in my life, had wow. no respect for him because of that. Mm-hmm. And here he is taking his Bible out and going Old Testament prophecy, New Testament fulfillment back and forth, back and forth.
2: Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. and i'm doing calculations in my head i'm like okay anything that's coincidence i'm gonna look at anything i think is self-fulfilling if i if i was to say i'm gonna walk out a building from a certain door i can make that happen for the most part Mm -hmm. that's self-fulfilling but things that are coincidence like you're born of the line of david jesus Mm -hmm. has no control over that that's just coincidence well how many people at that time could be born of the line of david and then you go through being born, not just from Lion line of David, but in, you know, Bethlehem. And you, so you, and at that time period. So as he's doing it, I'm calculating in my head. And there was a point where I just stopped him. I said, look, Chuck, just stop. You're beyond statistical impossibility, which is ten to the 48th power. Yeah. It, is, it is statistically impossible for this to happen by chance. So I believed in the New Testament knowing nothing of what it really taught. I said, so the New Testament has to be written by God. What does it say? Wow. And so he goes through and starts talking about Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. I'm like, Chuck, stop. Dead people don't rise. Dead people rot. Yeah. And he yeah. says, well, explain it away then. He's, here's Here's the situation. So I came up with maybe they got the wrong tomb. And he's like, mm-hmm. well... They knew whose tomb it was. It was a tomb never used before, so it was open. The guards are not going to f- go to the wrong tomb when their lives are on the line. Right. If, if something goes wrong. Okay. Maybe he wasn't really dead. He, he just he fainted. Faked his the, death. Yeah. yeah he, he just faint, fainted and they put him in there and the cool air revived him. And then and, he went to the disciples and said, here I am. I've resurrected.
2: Yeah. And they believed it.
1: And, and so he, he and says, well, let me get this straight. A guy who's been hanging on cross for hours mm-hmm. by his nail, by nails that are in his hands and feet, mm-hmm. wrapped in 75 pounds of linen cloth. Right. He's going to wake up, take the, all the cloth off mm-hmm. that he's wrapped tightly in, get it all off, put it back neatly, lift up a 2,000-pound stone uphill, <laughs> yeah. and walk past the guards without them noticing professional Hmm. professional killers basically maybe maybe the disciples stole the body well they could yeah okay okay well they got to get past the guards Mm -hmm. you you know why did the guards go to the jewish leaders and say we you know this happened the body disappeared and the the jewish leaders had to say he stole the body
2: it takes more faith Hmm. to believe all that than the truth doesn't it yeah
1: and and these are these are things that you can see if you get josh mcdowell's book more than a carpenter he, mm-hmm. he has all those there's one that i believe is still original with me my last argument was chuck maybe maybe they stole the body and what they did was they dug mm-hmm. a hole underneath the cave uh where the guards couldn't see it and they came underneath and stole the body out from the middle and he just looked <laughs> at me goes in three days they don't yeah. have equipment back then <laughs> i wish and him just, well yeah that's on the, on that's the crazy. Of a dairy queen i put my hands my head in my hands and i just mm-hmm. shook my head he goes what's wrong i said If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then he is God. And if he is God, I'm accountable to him. That's exactly right. I said, what do I do to need to get right with him? So in three and a half hours, I turned from believing that Jesus Christ is Hitler's God to Jesus Christ is God.
2: Amen. That is, that is.
0: That's amazing.
2: That's a miracle for sure. Well, Uh, every salvation is a miracle. I didn't get saved any different than anybody else. Amen. Amen. God's uh, sovereignty, uh, drawing you to himself, showing you that you needed him. And, and that's huge. That's huge. Yeah, I think I think the greatest uh, affirmations to you know, show that the gospel is true is the resurrection. And I think the, the next one is Israel being a nation again. Uh, I think both of those there's many, many prophecies what, 300 that have come true of his first coming? Yeah. And uh, I think those two really that. stand out as the most convincing, even.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, the neat thing about prophecy is prophecies that were fulfilled, not in scripture. Right. Like Sodom, you not Sodom, uh, now I just dropped blank. I hate that. You're fine, bro. S- uh, Sidon, I think it is. Anyway, th- there's a prophecy in Jeremiah where there's a city, uh, Tyre, mm-hmm. that would be demolished in war. Tyre would go off to the, to a sea island, but not have walls because they have the water around them and they had a military, uh, a naval base. So they didn't need a wall. And it, mm-hmm. it says that they won't have a wall and that the old city would be thrown into the sea and they would, the city of Tyre would be destroyed. Right. Alexander the Great is the one that did that. And that's exactly what happened. All that. Yeah. yeah. He, what, yeah. what happened was he sent out, he needed money and he sent out word. He sent a boat out to, to Tyre and said, hey, we need some money. And they said, Phew, you can't get to us. And as, as arrogant as he, as Alexander the Great was said, we can't. He said, take all, all everything you can, throw it into the sea. And they mm-hmm. built a causeway. And since there was no wall, once the causeway is built, the whole army just marched on to the, and just destroyed the city.
2: I mean, and then and you also have the statue in Daniel. I mean, the fulfillment of all the major the empires surrounding Israel uh, and predict, predicting those, those empires, Babylon, Persia, the Medo-Persians, the, the Greco, the Romans, and then also the revived Roman Empire, right? And we know what comes after that, which is going to destroy the the statue, and it's going to be Jesus's empire, Jesus's kingdom. Uh, I think that's powerful, powerful prophecy. The Bible, no other book can do that. No other book has predicted things as specific uh, to the dot and tittle as the Bible, and I think that just often, often authenticates that um, for sure. So, you were how old, Andrew? When you got-
1: I was I was sixteen years old, <clears throat> and uh, I did not tell anybody for two years. So I was,
0: wow. I was going to say, how did your family react to you becoming a Christian?
1: Uh, But if you didn't tell
0: anybody for two years.
1: Yeah. Uh, When I went to college, I met other Christians. Uh, I started to get Christian literature and things like that. What ended up happening was the first year of college and there did any other year. We got a letter that said we had to take all our stuff home. Mm -hmm. So I brought everything home and I had gospel tracts and books and things like that. Oh well, I, God. I was not too, I was only like an hour from my house to my college. So during Christmas break, I went down to college and stayed at a friend's house for several days. Mm-hmm. While I was there, my parents went through my room and decided to, oh. my mother's kind of nosy in that way and, or was, and she found all the gospel stuff. And was like, you, know, you have to understand something in Judaism. Uh, I know this is hard for people to hear, but in Judaism, we see Jesus Christ as Hitler's God. I mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ represents the Holocaust because the Catholic Church supported Hitler. Mm-hmm. So when we look at Jesus Christ, we see him. The Crusades were done under the name of, of, of Jesus. The,
2: of the cross, yeah, where unfortunately. The, where, the, yeah.
1: where Jews were killed the Inquisitions, where Jews were forced to, to convert or die, right. the Holocaust, this is Jesus. So to say you're a Christian is to be a traitor. I mean, it's the, the worst possible thing you could do in Judaism is to become a Christian. Mm-hmm. It, it's like for many Christian families, they, they realize this is the reason years ago, if someone was raging a Christian home and they want to rebel, they become a, a hardcore atheist. Now they become a homosexual. To show that their rebellion against their upbringing, which I've never quite understood actually, because it's like you so hate your upbringing that you're going to redefine your entire life by it,
2: mm. right? That's really sad because I don't consider the Roman Catholic Church Christian, and I'm sure I know you don't either as far as the doctrines.
1: Yeah, but, but as yeah, a Jewish person, we don't we don't know those differences. But you don't differentiate the,
2: the, yeah. the two. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, sad. I, I didn't know catholicism versus baptist like yeah whatever right it's all all catholic right i mean just like many people do that they think of judaism as just jewish or just orthodox and not know that there's all these different divisions there right right um
2: so your family how did that
1: how did that go i was 18 years old and i came home from my friend's house and my parents confronted me. I, I did think it was strange that I came home and everybody was out of the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they had been warned. Oh my. <laughs> Fireworks will be going. And so, yeah, it was the people ask me because I do a lot of open air evangelism, as you know, and yes, yeah. The, the thing is, is people will ask me a lot of times, have you ever been beaten up or, or, or hit? And I, I say only by my mom when I was 18. <laughs> you know she when i said when she asked me have did you get baptized and i said yes because that's that in jewish thinking that's the conversion is Mm -hmm. baptism Mm -hmm. and so she got mad and just slapped me oh and oh uh, my you know but they so they they took me to the rabbi Mm -hmm. and this is a funny pre-story too my dad actually caught me reading the bible like three times in high school okay picture the scene you got 16, 17, eight year, 18 year old boy. Right. You walk in his room in the morning before going to school. And my dad would just open the door and walk in, and I'm shoving a Bible underneath my blanket. <clears throat> what? My a, I mean, so many
2: teenagers would be shoving something else. <laughs> under exactly. The blanket. He's, um, he, yeah. goes,
1: he looks at that and just goes, What's that? I'm like, it, It's a book. <laughs> goes, what, what book? I'm like, The Bible. what father is saying yeah my son is hiding a bible right (laughs) he's like show it to me he's convinced there's something else i'm hiding under that and i pulled out a Bible. i just i will admit i've i've just always praised god i was always in the old testament (laughs) when he came in he did it three times and he would just say well maybe you should talk to the rabbi so after they found out that i became a christian he sent me to the rabbi and at this point they were reformed a very liberal the Rabbi just was like, Oh, you know, I study with the southern Baptists just to learn more, it's good. But state of your own religion, all religions get you to heaven, yeah. So, yeah, okay, yeah, right, right. Uh, and and I it was sad because I like I'm sitting there thinking, like, I realized I may know the Bible better than him because I said, Well, let me just ask you one question Daniel's prophecy gives an exact date, mm-hmm. timeline of when Messiah would come after the decree to return. We know it's that yeah. the decree, so. You're you're off by two thousand years. Where's Messiah? And that's when he just said, "Oh, stick to your religion. You know, all religions are good. Go go home to your parents." So my my parents took me to a psychiatrist after that. A oh Jewish my! Because they thought something's wrong with me. And I before I when I was trying to figure out a major, I was going between computer science and psychology. Oh. Um, and also so
0: horrible.
1: Yeah. I, I really enjoyed studying psychology. And so I'm, I was actually playing with the guy who wasn't so good, maybe, because I, I get bored. And so <laughs> he's, he's sitting there and comes to this conclusion. He sits my parents down, sits me down and says, well, I think what the problem is, is Andrew just is suffering because of the loss of his mother. He found a group at the college that, that makes him feel acceptable, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I started laughing which is not a good thing to do when someone's giving you the conclusion of what they think you're right. Right. And he looks at me and says, son is, is, is there son you find funny? I said, yeah. I said, you're saying that I'm, I, the reason I'm doing this is because of relationship issues. Correct. Well, yes. I said, that's great. Thank you for confirming that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, I didn't know any other Christian for two years. <laughs> and they asked me to step he asked me to step out of the room and i listened on oh, the door and he told my parents this is a phase kids go through this just ignore it and it'll go away well it didn't go away my father found out i was looking to go to seminary he sent me to the same psychiatrist
2: oh my
1: which was really funny because at that time i had lost my job this is back in the early 90s there it, there's you know not good economic times it's hard to find another job and so i meet with him and he's like asking me about the job, what I'm doing to look for a job. And he's, he's just asking a whole lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I told you, I get bored, right? My dad's paying for this. So I, for a while I'm, I'm playing along and answering now I'm getting bored. And so he goes, how about your, your social life? What's your social life like? And I'm like, well, I said, now there's a real problem. It's the first thing he wrote on his clipboard was social life. Okay. And he, he says, okay, tell me what's, tell me about your social life. I'm like, yeah, my, my friends are always complaining. I don't have enough time to hang out with them. And he just like scratches off <laughs> social life. And he says, can I give you my assessment? I'm like, sure. He, he's like, I have never met a 23 year old man who can lose his job, not be phased, loses his, what you've gone through with losing your mother, losing a job mm. like this. And you're not phased. You, mm-hmm. you are the most well-balanced 23-year-old man I have ever met. Wow. And I said, okay. Well, he said, can I share this with your dad? I said, he's paying the bill. I mean, I'm only here for you to tell him that I'm not insane, so go for it. So my dad called me up says, hey, what did he tell you? I told him. He said, yeah, he said that and something more. I said, something more, really? He said, yeah. He wants to pay your way to Texas A&M <gasps> to go into practice with him because he sees that you would be an excellent counselor. And I said, well that's wow, funny, dad, dad because that's most of what I would be doing as a pastor is doing the two things I love counseling people and studying the word of God. <laughs> that is, so you were a rebel with a cause with a good cause.
2: You know, it's, I think you're just
1: a rebel from a young age.
2: <laughs> well, you know, you know, God tends to use those those type of people. Uh, he takes the weak, he takes the rebel the least likely and I think he does that. I don't know for sure, but to really shame and profound the wise, the strong of the mm-hmm. world. And it shows that it's, that it's his grace and his purpose for his glory. And man, this is a powerful testimony. of. I mean, that's not an easy. Well, you know, I know it's the same for anyone who's lost. It's, it's, it's a miracle. But this is truly the testimony of God's goodness and God's grace.
1: Yeah. I mean, he gets, all, he gets 100% of the credit. Amen. I, I can't take any. Amen. You know, I mean it's just I'm I'm blown away that he'd have anything to do with me. So
2: So then, then you got into strike. now, what do you do? You 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 your job is striving for eternity, you're in apologetics, you're you've pastored. Well, well kind of it, tell me a little bit about what you you know.
1: Yeah. You striving for eternity that. was not really a plan. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it, I was pastoring a church mm-hmm. and I was bivocational and I, it just was too much with a young family. And I realized that it, I had to give something and a church paying me 10,000 a year, wasn't going to put food on the table. So I just, you know, I'll step away and wait till the the timing is right. Obviously the Lord hasn't opened a door for the timing to be right. So I'll wait. Mm -hmm. What ended up happening was because of all these churches that wanted me to speak, I turned them down because I'm speaking at my church on Sunday. I'm not going to speak at someone else's church on Sunday. And so I said no. Well, now I had no reason to say no. And we had created Striving Fraternity originally just as a means of – I had a website called strivingfraternity.org where I just put some articles up. And it be, it was a not really a plan. But we organized it and, and became 501c3 just so we could do evangelism events on the Jersey Shore. And that was it. No plan beyond that. Well, now that I left the church, I was being asked to speak every week. And I spoke those first two or three years. I was out 48 to 50 uh, times a a year speaking at churches. And so, okay, it became a speaking ministry. But really, what is it? We got to have some purpose to it more than just a speaking ministry. And we ended up as a pastor. I knew what it's like when people come and say, hey, I, I love Way of the Master. We got mm-hmm. everyone's got to be evangelizing. And and because one person's into that, they think everyone should do that.
2: Right. Someone else
1: gets into answers in Genesis. Every oh, we the whole church, we should be teaching this Sunday school every week. And they want everyone in on it. Mm-hmm. Someone else wants to do prison ministry. They think everyone should be doing that. And you get that as a pastor where everybody wants to do everything. Mm-hmm. They want everyone else to do what with their pet parachurch ministry is. And I realize there's a problem with parachurches' ministries. They're Coming alongside the church and actually hurting the church in mm-hmm. some ways. They're doing what the church can't do as far as doing the research in a lot in these specific areas, mm-hmm. but they're also hurting the church because people in the church think everything should be about one thing and it's I their own been. thing. What what gets them going and not seeing that we we have to do all of it. And so I really had a heart for this for small churches. Give you some numbers. The average sized church in America is 25 people. Okay. And people say, okay, well, there's, yeah, there's lots of small churches. That's true. But now throw in all those mega churches, those thousand plus mm-hmm. churches, and there's a number of them. Well, if there's a number of them, then guess what? You got a whole lot of churches that only have five or 10 people. That's true. That's a good point. To make up for those thousands, to get to 25. So, what you end up realizing is there are churches where you have a bivocational pastor that doesn't have time to put together studies and seminars for people so he can really train his church to go out and do what the church doesn't because he's just he's he's got to get his his day job, then he's got to do the preaching prep. and he's got his kids so he's worn out he's usually just doing the basics, just getting the sermon prep preaching on Sunday and that's that is the training. And so I started to realize these churches are struggling and they're the ones that need the help the most. But guess what? These big ministries, they're not going to go into a church of 20 people. Mm -hmm. There's there's not enough money for them to do that. That's a good point. It's true. And so we do discipling. That's what we do. But so we're not, people have a hard time figuring this out because like, wait, do you do evangelism ministry? Yes. But wait, you you also do apologetics. Yeah. But wait, you do like marriage stuff too. Yeah. Wait, but you do like critical race theory. Yeah. You know, because we do discipling, we, we're bringing all of this together to, for the purpose of building up the local church. And so that, our goal is to go, our real goal is to get into local churches and do weekend seminars, train their people, give them tools wow. so that we leave and they continue that work in that area. So they'll start evangelizing. They'll start learning how to interpret the Bible. They're going to know how to stand up and defend the faith. And so we, we go in to give them those kind of tools.
2: So that's that awesome, grow. Yeah, well, that, that is awesome. I think that's a great ministry for sure. And you travel all around the country. You've been, to, uh, like, uh, I've seen some of your things on Facebook. Uh, you, you're, like, in California one day, and then you're back <laughs> in uh, uh, Kentucky the next, and then you're in uh, Philadelphia, and you yeah, travel my, a lot.
1: My uh, ministry partner and I have a running joke because uh, before, I don't know if you ever heard of this thing called COVID, it, it oh, could that <laughs> yeah. yeah the uh the thing was is we used to travel, and there would be months where we we had one uh five it was a five Saturdays in one month mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: he and I met each other we were we were together every weekend in a different state for five straight weeks wow, <laughs> so wow. the entire month we we were we were together every weekend, but we were always in a different state. <laughs>
2: It, it, I'm sure that is it. It's definitely uh, very, very exciting, but it's also probably pretty uh, drag uh, tiring as well. I would assume.
1: It can be. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. can be. Uh, let me let me tell you the difference between pastoring mm-hmm. and, internet preaching, or okay. doing doing seminars. And and this is this is why people think I'm crazy that I my heart is to return to be a small church pastor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because when you're a pastor, especially a small church pastor, anything goes wrong, everybody complains. Mm-hmm. If you do anything wrong, you're you're gonna you're not gonna hear any praises. If you preach a good sermon, you're never gonna hear it from people. No. You preach a bad sermon, you will. Oh yeah. You, you know, have you like 30, forty
2: bosses out there in the in the uh uh in, in the worship center, right? Yeah. <laughs> However many people are members, they're your boss in the sense. Yeah.
1: No. You know, when I come in as a guest speaker, guess what? I only hear praises. Mm-hmm. If I said something wrong, you know who hears it? The pastor. That's who they come to. <laughs> that's really right. true. So yeah. as an inner preacher who travels around, guys who do this, I mean, they just get the pats on the back. And that's why you see a lot of guys that, that are in that ministry. Mm-hmm. I, I know people personally who I don't associate with anymore because all they do is travel and speak. They don't have a local church. hmm they're traveling and speaking and they're getting the pats on the back and it's gone to their heads and they think there's something. And so I've avoided that. And what we ended up doing early on, like I said, we, I was traveling 48 to 50 weeks a year. And I said to my board, I said, this isn't healthy for me. It's not Mm -hmm. healthy for my family. I need to be in a local church where I can serve, Mm -hmm. where there's accountability for at least half the year. So we need to cut back my speaking and say no to some things Mm -hmm. so that I'm serving in a local church with people who know me and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. where there's some, there's that accountability. And so we, we made that change, but you, if you know, like people think I'm nuts that I would want to be a local church pastor, a small local church pastor again, because it's like, uh, why you get to travel the world? Well, not anymore. COVID ended that, right? Right. (laughs) But you know, you get, I get to travel all these places and, and speak to all these large groups. And it's like, okay. But you know what? I don't get to see. What's that? I don't get to see people that you minister to week in and week out, month after month, year after year. And you sit there and 10, 15 years later, you're watching them grow. You know what? What gives me excitement is seeing a guy who is in a youth group mm-hmm. in my church and I disciple him and he's growing and he's maturing. He goes to college, graduates college is now in seminary. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That's, that's the exciting thing. Cause why? Because yeah. he, he got a love for the word of God and he was like, I can't get enough of this. And God used
2: you to plant seeds there. And mm-hmm. you can see some of that investment. It's mm-hmm. Huge. Yeah. That, that is great. I mean, you know, we're investing in lives, touching lives for the glory of God. And I think your the name for your, uh, Ministry striving for eternity is just that. You are not only—it's this not a name you just threw up there. That is what you're doing, and, and what we should be doing too.
1: Yeah, it's it's we're trying to equip people for eternity. It it comes yeah. out of the idea of Colossians chapter three. Because some people make the mistake they think because they know I do evangelism and they think that it's an evangelist that, oh you're trying to work for eternity. Uh, no, it's sanctification. Right. You no, know, is where it is. And you know what Paul says is this. Therefore. If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of earth and, and the biggest problem that people have in our day and age is they're so temporal minded
2: yeah they're not this thinking world of is all there is.
1: yeah they're not thinking yeah. of eternity. But, you That's know the a, Chinese church, an interesting thing that voice of the martyrs did. They did a study with the Chinese church, you know, the church in China, mm-hmm. and they realized that the church is growing under great persecution, and they wanted to understand why. Mm-hmm. The number one thing, they, they had five characteristics of the church, and the number one thing they discovered was that they have an eternal mindset. They, they don't have hope in anything in this world because they know the government will take it away. Mm-hmm. So the only hope they have is like 2 Corinthians 5 in the future in what, when we get to be with Christ.
2: We can't take money with us. and We can't take uh, stuff with us, things with us. We can only take really Jesus with us. And we can invest in the people around us that we love and that we're uh, coming in contact to. And I think that you're doing just that. And I think that's a powerful ministry that many, many people... Uh, how can you be a part of this ministry what what how can you what can people do to help you uh, encourage you or or maybe do things uh get involved in things you 're doing from where they 're at
1: well there's there's many ways at many different levels to get involved because we we do offer a lot of different things we offer an online academy for free no less that 's how we make our money oh wait wait that doesn 't work out if we give it away for free yeah but that's that 's how we are we we have books, that syllabuses that people can wow. buy to go along with it. But we have all the videos up. We have a course on how to interpret the Bible, systematic theology, which is 80 classes. Wow. We have uh, an introduction to world religions. We have an introduction to discipleship. We, we plan to, to develop more over time. But we have those courses that are being used, which I never expected, in homeschools. Homeschoolers did hmm. a lot. I keep asking homeschoolers, like, why do you use it? And, and what I have consistently get told is... That my quirky humor seems to keep their attention, but I explain all the terminology so the kids can actually understand what I'm saying. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we've talked about trying to turn that into something more geared toward homeschooling uh, for that reason. But we have that academy. You can go and you can get some courses. You can invite us out to your church. And have wow. us do a seminar. We got a list. If you go onto our website and schedule a speaker, you'll see a list of seminars that Anthony and I can do. And we come out to churches and, and do that. We have, so we have all that. We well, we have a podcasting, as you mentioned. Right. We run the Christian podcast community. Now, the way we do it is that it gives us an opportunity to disciple podcasters so that Ooh. they can improve their podcast. Well, that's awesome. We, yeah. we have 56 podcasts right now that are part of the community. Uh, so we have a number of good podcasts. So people go there, just they can just listen. It's, you're getting a lot of different things. And there's something for everybody there. You want You want something dealing with women? We got a bunch of women's podcasts. You want something dealing with family? We got you covered. You want theology? Done. You want apologetics? Got it. You want evangelism? It's there. So, man. whatever you want, we got something for you with <laughs> and and multiples of it. So you find which podcast kind of resonates with you. Uh, of course, of course people can always donate because that, you know, we're going into churches that can't afford us. We don't have a speaking fee. We, we ask that churches at least try to cover the cost right. of travel and lodging yeah. and things like that. And we, we do things as best we can on, on the cheap, you know, we'll stay in people's homes and instead of a hotel, if we can, and, that we would not have to get a rental car. We, we just do stuff like that. But we're trying to keep it where we can get into those churches. And that's our monthly supporters allow that, you know, because of our monthly supporters, we can go into a church. I flew to to Oregon to a church that, you know, couldn't afford it. They, they didn't give us anything. They just wow. said, well, you can sell some of your books. Well, we sold a half dozen books because, you know, there weren't that many people there, 20, 25 people. Okay. We sold a half dozen books. Nowhere near covered the costs. Wow. Spoke at a church in New York, spoke for two weeks. Mm. They didn't give us a dime. Well, actually they did eventually. Like I ran into the pastor at a conference center. Mm. And this is like 10 years later. Right. And I just, we're both at the same conference center. And he said, hey, I got a question for you. Cause we got together for lunch. He goes, I got a question. Did we ever pay you? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> no no, you didn't. <laughs> he was like, Oh, I feel bad. Like, you know, we, we, we were having problems back then with the, like the, the treasurer forgot to pay me, you know, one week. And so he's like, I'll get you a check. And I, I don't, I think he actually, they did send us something, but we didn't care. It's for the glory of God. Exactly. And that's, yeah. and our monthly supporters make that possible. Amen. You know, so unlike most ministries, 70 to 80% of the money that's raised for striving fraternity goes toward ministry, not toward salaries. When you look at a lot of the ministries, 50 to 70% are salaries. You wow. know, we don't do that. And that, that that makes it hard because it means we have to have other ways. All of our speakers have to have other ways of, of raising income. Yeah.
2: Well, Andrew, this has been a very enlightening, uh, very blessed to have been able to hear your testimony and just uh, see how God's using you in a powerful way. And, you know, the... Um, It's amazing. And, uh, you know, my hope is that people that do listen to this would, you know, that your testimony would touch them uh, either to salvation or to stronger, deeper discipleship and learning more about the word. And and my prayer for you is just to persevere uh, and uh, keep going with the ministry. It's a powerful ministry. What's your website name? And you also have one on Facebook, right, for Striving for
1: Eternity? Well, we have strivingforeternity.org is the website and we, we are on facebook we have a group called striving Fraternity. um there's a page there too but the pa- pages are usually one directional there's a lot of people in the group so that we have more dialogue with people there and that's another way of reaching out we have a if people are interested in podcasting we have a group for christian podcast community um, and th- that's how people can communicate with if they want to learn how to improve their their podcast they can go there
0: that is awesome. Well, we just really appreciate you coming and talking to us today. Uh, thank you to our listeners. We Don't forget, we have do have a Facebook page, Grace in the Shadows. And if you'd like to reach out to us, Dr. Jonathan at graceintheshadowsor.org, we would love to chat with you more. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks again, Andrew. And, thank you very much for having me. All right. Thank you.